Going Linux, episode 427. Welcome to Linux, part three. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bishop. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinks at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, welcome to Linux, starting your adventure, part three. Hey, Bill. Hey, Larry. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, in the last episode in this series, I introduced it as part three. That's because we were originally planning this episode as part two, and the last one is part three. So we swapped that around. The last one is actually part two, and this one is part three. And hopefully you're not confused. Just listen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Okay. Larry, I had enough coffee for that, okay? I know, that's way too confusing. Anyway, this is part three. And okay. Really, really, this one is part three. So what have we got on tap for today, Bill? What are we talking about? So today we're going to, to go over how to download and make your boot media and your first steps into Linux. Okay, so this is before you have tried Linux. Uh, this is how you get to the point where you can actually try it, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So you selected Linux as your distribution of choice. So where do you get it? Um, that's that's a really easy one. You go to the projects, whatever project you're talking about. We're talking about the Linux project homepage. So that could be Slackware. That could be Linux Mint. That could be Ubuntu or Ubuntu Mate. So you go to their homepage on the web and... Google's your friend here. If you don't know where they are, you just type the name of the Linux distribution you're looking for and hit search. And you'll <laughs> more than likely find it. Okay. Most products have download links right on the site. Usually on the very top, it'll say big word download. Once you get to the download links, you're going to look for the Linux image that has a x86 underscore 64. Basically, that's telling you that it's for 64-bit systems. Now, there is a caveat to this. If you run an older, and you'd have to be really old, but uh, if you're running an older system that you're trying to rehabilitate to run Linux, and it, uh, it might be a 386, which means it's a 32-bit system. Most uh, computers from, I would say, 10 years four to our current time should be 64 but there's always that oddball so the one you're looking for is the one that has a 64 after it now here's another uh, couple things you can run the uh, it'll say dot 386 you can run a 386 on a 64-bit computer but you can't run a 64-bit uh, image on a 386 and the reason for that is most chips 
uh, or have all the compatibility built into them from previous generations. So a lot of that uh, won't even apply to you. If you have a fairly uh, new computer within say six years, it should 99% time be a 64-bit machine. So that's the image you'd want. Right. And that goes for Apple hardware. It goes for uh, PC hardware, um, Windows hardware. And of course, if you buy a computer with Linux on it, you don't have to go through any of this. But um, any newer computer is going to be 64-bit unless it is ARM-based. That's the other thing. And there are some ARM-based images of certain Linux distributions that you can use, like for um, some of the pocket PCs that are still available in the UK. Um, Ubuntu Mate has some images on their website that you can use. Um, yeah, so for most people, though, they're going to be using PC hardware. And like you said, Bill, if it's 64-bit image you're downloading, and it will tell you uh, on the website whether it is or it's not. And in fact, Many Linux distributions these days only offer a 64-bit image. You have to hunt through the archives to find a 32-bit. Um, there are some notable exceptions out there, but uh, if you are installing to a really, really, really old computer that's 32-bit, you may actually have some performance issues just getting it to run at a reasonable speed. But if that's all you have, you can find 32-bit images out there. You may be limited as to what Linux distribution you can run, but you'll find them. Uh, and some of the uh, projects that if you really do have a very old system um, and you have to have a 386, uh, two distributions that to look at would be Debian. And I believe Fedora has one and if not uh maybe open susi has uh 32 bit so that's something just to you know, give you a direction to go look in um but there's one other one uh, you're also going to you're going to see actually two more architectures um the power pc is for the older macs and 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 uh uh, there's uh, quite a few of those still in existence, so that's a image uh, that you'll see. And it'll have a, it'll have a, like uh, you'll see Power PC, which will be PPC at the end of it. Mm -hmm. That's not the one you want. And then with the rise of all the um, uh, little, um, what do they call those? The little small ones that you get. Uh, uh, the get, Raspberry Pi. Yeah, Raspberry Pis. You're gonna see uh, a lot of those. In the download links too, uh, Ubuntu has has it, Fedora. Uh, so, and it usually will be clearly marked. It will say uh, it'll be R A S P underscore um, Pi or say something like Raspberry Pi. So, just make sure you're selecting the right media for your computer. That's one of the great things about Linux is it has so many architecture types that people use and, and is still supported. Yeah, let's just keep it simple. We will talk about 64-bit uh, computers, so yes. modern-ish computers within the last six, seven years. And we will use Ubuntu Mate as our example. Um, some of this 
might be a little different for other distributions, but I think you'll be able to get the 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 main points from what we're talking about here using the single example that we have, a 64-bit modern-ish computer where you want to install Ubuntu Mate on it or some other Linux distribution. Yeah, I just didn't want them to get going like, which one do I pick? Because, right. I mean, if, if this is the first time, you don't know if you need to the PowerPC version, so we're talking about Intel-based chips uh, yep. within the past seven years. So These 64-bit will install on Intel uh, computers. They'll install on Ryzen processors as well. So, uh, you know, any 64-bit version. Yeah. Um, that, that's not a not a uh, ARM chip is uh, what we're talking about here. Okay. So if you have a fast internet connection, it'll only take a few minutes to download the image. And if you have a slower connection, of course, it'll take more time and you might want to look at using a torrent to download it that can speed things up. But you'll eventually end up with a file that you can use. So that is what we're calling an image. It'll be a, a file that ends in the extension .iso. And one of the, and uh, most of the download sizes for these images, uh, the biggest one can be like four gigs. And the Ubuntu Mate, the Ubuntu's, um, they seem to be around a two point one gigabyte download. So even if you have a slow connection, like I do in New Mexico, um, it doesn't take uh, a very long. Might you might have an hour or so, but it's not a huge download. So now that you have your image, you will need to, that USB drive so you can make the boot media. And the reason we're going to use the USB is most uh, computers now uh, do not have the DVD drives. There's a, a separate process to make a DVD uh, install disk, and we're not going to cover that because it's not used very much anymore, but you can find instructions on how to do that. We'll include a link to all of what we're talking about, including um, there'll be a link from within that to instructions on how to do the DVD installation, but we're going to focus on USB. Yeah, because most computers nowadays for the past six, seven years have USB, so... Yeah. So you might be thinking, well, how do I take the image or ISO file and make it bootable? And that's where the second piece of software is needed. You can use a program called Etcher. It's open source and it's freely available. The link is in the show notes. This program is super easy to use and will walk you through the steps. Etcher handles all the heavy lifting and will handle the creation of the bootable media for you. Etcher is free, like I said, and is a, it's a very small download. I think it's only, it's less than a gig, uh, a lot less. And you can, you can even get it on Windows. So if you're using Windows, you can just go ahead and install Etcher and it will help you create the media because you're going to download it to your computer. And we suggest that the USB drive that you use is at least four gigabytes. Uh, I think this very that's kind of the standard now. Four gigabytes uh, will let you install ninety 
percent or put the image on from these from the distribution if you're trying out different ones four gigabyte is more than enough for most of them right and of course anything larger will work as well but and where i'm located it's hard to find a uh for something as small as a four gigabyte usb drive these days i'm not sure why but now that you have the media made once you've made sure that you have all your important files, pictures, and so on backed up, turn your computer off. Insert the USB drive you just created with the image of the Linux distribution you want to install into the computer and then power on. You will likely have to push a key on your keyboard if you've never done this before booting from a USB. Um, and that key on the keyboard varies depending on the brand of computer that you have. But there will be a key that allows you to use the USB as the source to boot from. And some of the common keys that I've run across are the F12 key, the F9 key, the F4 key, and the delete key. Those are the most common ones I've run across. It really depends on the computer manufacturer and uh, you know how they've got the BIOS or the UEFI configured, which key it is. So yeah, this can be kind of a trial and error. Some of the common ones I've, I've found like on my current machine is it's F1. Mm, and okay. on my other machine it was F12. Uh, they're the common ones you can try. Uh, you can also try escape. Um, you can sometimes find this information in the manual if you've kept it with your pack when you got your computer or if you even got a manual. But usually it's in the manual say, uh, that will it, it will say uh, during startup you press this to get into the BIOS. The BIOS uh, is the one that tells the computer which drive uh, to boot from. If you get stuck, you can use Google to search for the answer. I've had to do that a few times because I've gotten some real oddball stuff. Google is your friend sometimes on these type of things. And if you can't find the answer, you can go to your Linux of Choices forum. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. People love to help new users. We all started somewhere. So if you're if you're stuck and you can't figure out how to get this uh, booted, you have a super good chance of finding somebody that has the same type of machine or same manufacturer that say, oh, it's this key. And and you have to do it this way. You have to, you know, hold it down as you're starting it. So the forms are a great resource. And uh, the ones that are exceptionally helpful, uh, I've actually used is the Ubuntu and the Ubuntu Mate forums are really, really helpful i was stuck on a, a driver issue and they helped me out right exactly good well uh now you've created usb uh, with the image you've booted to it you've got something on your screen that something depends on which linux distribution you're running you may get an option that allows you to choose between installing or trying a live session we recommend trying the live session uh, if it doesn't automatically boot into the live session. Um, and that will give you an opportunity to run that version of Linux from the USB drive without making any changes to your system at all. So if something isn't working, you don't like the way it looks, you can 
you know, power off your computer, pull out the USB drive and restart back into exactly what you had before. Nothing's changed at that point. But if you do want to go ahead and install, um, it is good to take a few minutes and get familiar with your new Linux distribution before you install it. You'll get to know how it works and you can verify that it actually is supported by your hardware. And we recommend that you spend some time playing around with the system. Everything is running from the USB, so it might be a little bit slower than it would be running from your hard drive. The live session will have everything you need to work, though, and get on the internet. And there's nothing additional to download, just boot and go. Uh, of course, you can install. In most cases, you can install applications during that live session. But just remember, you haven't installed it on your hard drive yet. So any new applications that you install to try out won't be there when you actually do the install. Yeah, and uh, that's so that that uh, is a great way to get um, familiar. So when you finally do install it, you're not totally lost. Um, we recommend that highly. If it has an option for a live session, we suggest that you uh, try it. So once you've decided that Linux is for you, uh, there is an install usually an install icon right on the desktop. You click on the icon and the install wizard will start the install process. You can decide if you would like to have a dual boot system and that means that you want to keep your existing operating system along with Linux or you just want Linux only. Yeah, and if you're new, we suggest accepting whatever the defaults are from the installer. You can't go wrong with that. No. You'll yeah, you'll provide some basic information like you would installing any operating system if you've ever done that, like your name and the name you want for your computer. You can name it anything you want and then pick a password. And it's fairly important that you pick a password you can remember <laughs> because if you forget it, you can't get into the system and the password is needed to install further software. So just make sure that if it's something a little more complicated than something you can remember, write it down. I know you're not supposed to write down passwords, but until you've got it memorized, write it down because you'll be entering this password on a regular basis. Whenever you log in and whenever you install new applications. So Linux doesn't trust anybody to make changes to your system without that password. So one more time, pick one you'll remember. <laughs> Once you have supplied the required information, the installer will do the rest. Sit back, get a cup of coffee, soda, and let the installer finish. Once it completes, it will give you a message that of uh, what you need to do. You know, most of the time it will say remove the USB and before you shut down, some of them say uh, power down the computer and then take it out and others will prompt you to before it completely shuts down to pull the USB out. It varies from distribution to distribution. If you uh, follow the instructions, it's very plain. Uh, you shouldn't run into any issues. Larry, what uh, do you remember? I know it's been a while since you've installed Monte. Is it is that the is do theirs uh, require you to um, pull it before or after you power down the machine? What usually happens is you get through the log off 
process. So it tells you to shut down. And then just before the power off, it says pull out the USB drive and it'll pause there and it'll wait for you to do that. Um, usually what I do, and you can't do any harm by powering off completely and then removing the USB drive. Like you said, it varies from distribution to distribution. And I always just power it completely off, then pull it out. I know nothing will happen if the power is off. <laughs> right? So, yeah, so just follow the instructions and, and uh, you shouldn't have any problems. And then you're going to turn your machine back on. Yep. Now, if you have followed the instructions and you've pulled the USB drive out, uh, sometimes it will reboot automatically. But if you've powered off, if that's what the instructions said, or you just want to do it that way, like me, uh, you will be required to hit the power button and turn your system on. Then it will reboot into whatever Linux distribution you have uh, installed. And you'll be at the Linux login screen. Put in your username and your password, the one that you said you remembered. Hopefully you did. <laughs> So enter those two things, and then you are logged into your system. Most distributions have a helpful welcome screen to help you get started. Take the time and follow those first steps. With Ubuntu Mate, it's actually the welcome app that walks you through a number of things. This is detailed in the, in the instructions that we're giving you a link to. It's actually a set of instructions that are on the Ubuntu Mate community site. So take the time, follow those first steps, and it'll give you suggestions on software you might like and help you to get it downloaded to your system the first time. It'll also check for updates and uh, install those for you if there have been updates since the image was created. And there usually are. Take a few minutes to get the system set up and updated, and you'll be in good shape. Now that you have everything installed and updated, you can choose some software. You did read through that welcome screen. You did do the first steps, I'm sure. You should know how to get the software. And I know Ubuntu Mate and Mint and even the regular Ubuntu, they have what they call a software store. Don't let the store name fool you. Everything in there is free. It's a nice interface to best of breed software that's available for you to download and, and use. So uh, there's also um, ones that don't have the software uh, store in quotation marks and it's uh, what they call the repositories. And usually you can find that in your main menu uh, and it'll say install software and that will walk you through installing and you can search uh, some of them are more text-based, but I think uh, uh, from what I've seen lately, most of them are going to uh, a nicer user graphical interface to the software stores that makes things uh, a lot easier for people that are used to how you, know, you do things in Windows or Mac. So depending on the version, we're going to say use the Ubuntu uh, Mate because they use the software store. And you can find, I would say, 90% of what you'll use every day right there when you open the store. Right. And these days, there are different ways to install software. You'll see 
Debian packages or RPM packages, depending on your distribution. Uh, you'll see Snap packages. You'll see Flatpak. You'll see AppImage. All of these are different ways of installing an application. And in many cases, the same application is available in different formats. Don't worry about that if you're just getting started. Just install from the app store that comes with your Linux distribution. Start with that. If you are looking for something specific and you can't find it there, that's when you go and explore. But in the Ubuntu Mate application, they call the uh, store, if you will, that comes pre-installed the software boutique. Uh, it's a boutique. It's a boutique, yes. Okay. Pop uh, OS has the pop shop, you know, all nice little names. But the boutique is not everything that's available, but rather a hand-selected um, curation of the most popular or the most useful applications that uh, many Linux distribution users will want to install. So included in that list are some um, applications that will allow you to have full access to the Ubuntu software repository and beyond that, the snap packages and the app images and so on. So uh, lots of information in that software boutique, including applications you can install to get even more applications than are in the boutique itself. One of the things that I do want to point out, you don't need to download anything to actually use the computer. Most uh, distributions, including Ubuntu Mate, have everything that you would need to get things done. So these are, give you an example, we use Audacity to record the podcast. That's usually not included, but is available use, uh, usually as one of the first uh, software suggestions. So if you're a, an aspiring podcaster or you want to record uh, music or or you want to play with photos, you'll find those applications, if they're not already installed, in the software boutique store, etc. Right. One word of warning if you're a Windows user, if you've been using Windows for a long time, you are used to going when you need software to the internet, to the, hopefully, the developer of the software's website and downloading it directly from there. With Linux, you don't have to do that. You can do that, but if you stick with the software boutique or the software repository for your Linux distribution, you are guaranteed that those applications have at least been vetted before being included in the repository. Some level of vetting. Uh, the boutique probably has the most in Ubuntu Mate because those are the ones that have been hand-selected. Uh, the ones in the Ubuntu repository are not vetted necessarily by the Ubuntu Mate team, but they are vetted by the Ubuntu team. If you go to a developer's website, um, you are first trusting that you found the right website and not a malicious website. Uh, and then you are trusting that that application is not infected with anything and is not going to do any damage to your system. Using the 
Linux-provided repository is simply safer. And you don't need to go, for the most part, to a developer's website to install software. Like I said, you can do that, and sometimes you'll need to if it's something that's not in the repositories and it's something that is valuable and you need. Just be careful where you go to. It's it's not like Windows that way where just about everything except what's in the Microsoft Store is something that you need to go to a website and download from there and more often than not pay for. Yeah, I agree when it comes to that. Uh, usually repositories are the way to go. And uh, I know we've talked about installing software and there's some uh, distributions that will use what they call flat packs or snap images. As a new user, you don't have to worry about it. Whatever it installs when you click in the software boutique, just accept the default and uh, you can't go wrong. Right. So at this point, you've created a USB drive with the installation media. You've installed it and you've actually tried it out before installing it. So remember, Take your time and see how it works before you actually begin the installation. Things will be a little different in some areas and very familiar in most areas. So you're now on your adventure and discovering Linux and your particular distribution is part of the fun. So congratulations. You're now running Linux and you've got a lot of stuff that you'll be learning along the way. Um, I learn something new every day, so don't uh, be discouraged. Uh, soon it will be uh, like you've never used anything else. Uh, and, you know, spend also some time getting involved with the community of the Linux that you're using. Ubuntu Mate has a wonderful uh, and very helpful forum that uh, where you can find people who are very helpful uh, and eager to help you in your venture. Don't be embarrassed if you can't figure something out because we all had to start our adventure at the beginning and luckily there's uh, we have, I would say, the best support of any operating system on the planet. There's thousands and thousands of people that use Linux and there's thousands and thousands of people that are willing and eager to help you on your adventure. You bet. So hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Our next episode will be listener feedback, as always. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinks.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.